You're listening to On the Line, Leadership with Van Crouch. Van asks three questions to his guests in order to discover tools we can apply to our lives that will help us overcome obstacles, aim for excellence, and become our very best. Welcome to this week's episode of On the Line, Leadership with Van Crouch. That's for sure. But what do, what do you feel are, are the most important qualities you, you exhibit as a leader? I think we have to keep our word. You, know, you have to be a man or woman of your word. You can't say one thing and do something different. And people around you who look up to you for leadership, they got to trust that you're not up and down all the time and you change your mind all the time. Obviously, if we're wrong, change your mind make it right to make a wrong decision make it right but you can't be double-minded people have to trust that when you make a decision you're sticking with it and that's i think one of the top things the other thing is everybody wants to follow a leader that is stable a stable life not someone who's in and out he's strong one day and broken down the next or can't make up his mind where, where are we going? What are we doing? And then it changes. And Or in ministry, even, not that all leadership's in ministry. It's everywhere. Leadership principles are the same everywhere in every environment. But even in ministry, we can't be changing our doctrine all the time. We can improve it and keep studying. But So I think the last thing, maybe, and there's a whole list of things, but <clears throat> up front, probably integrity that you can live a life that people want to follow. Like Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. In other words, he was following Christ. So it was okay to follow his example. And the, the New Testament says, Paul said, even imitate or duplicate what I'm doing because what I'm doing is in the Lord. In your work around the country, how, how have you seen the leaders fail? I think leaders fail. Probably, I'll just jump back to these three things I just said. They have a lack of integrity or they don't breed a lack of, they have this lack of enthusiasm. Paul said, uh, Book of Acts, you take heed to yourself, in other words, first, and then you can oversee the flock of God that the Lord has given you. Probably the biggest failure rate I see is not one item. It's probably more the burnout. It's probably the overwork. People have no idea. They really have no idea how hard and how long of hours preachers work. But not just preachers. How about in the marketplace? These, if you own a business, it's night and day. You don't go. You don't punch out at five and go home. And I think that constant, no way to escape it. You can lose your focus. You lose your strength. You can even fight depression, which is a horrible enemy. And then it causes a failure in leadership. What, what would you say is the difference between a team leader and a, uh, a team manager? I think a manager, basically, I don't mean this demeaning, but he's like a bean counter. He's given a jar of beans and it's your job to count it, keep track of them. And if there's some missing, where did it go? And how are we gonna how are we gonna use these beans? Uh, a leader says, "I got a plan for those beans, and we're gonna do this and that with it." And you're all on board with me. And here's what we're gonna do. And let me communicate it to you. 
and decisions are made. So one is a visionary, the planner, let's get going. That's the leader. The manager is more like, okay, tell me what to do. And I'll keep track of all of the details, all the tools, all the people, and I can help make this happen for you. Well, with that th- thought in mind, how do you keep, how do you get others to accept your ideas? I think communication uh, is so important. It's powerful. It's the power of moving forward. People around you, especially we'll call them lieutenant. I kind of, right. I, I learned leadership in the Marine Corps. I was a Marine leader and then I trained Marines and people around us. The key people, if you prefer to say managers or lieutenants or assistants, they got to know it. They can't be guessing and outguessing and trying to figure you out as a leader. Then they can filter that down and that communication and information can be dispersed to other people as you go down, we'll say, the food chain, the chain of authority. But without communication, people are assuming which is terrible, or guessing at the best, and it doesn't work. It breaks down everything. So you can't be a leader without spending time with those who you are leading. Even Jesus taught us that. He taught to the whole multitude, but then he pulled away with the closest people to him. And the Bible says he sat around the campfire and expounded more clearly what he said out in the multitude so if it took him an hour we'll say to do the multitude meeting and you're going to expound more clearly he probably took two hours just a guesstimation with his closest disciples to explain more thoroughly a lot of leaders in every environment one of their biggest enemies is time and they just expect people to know what to do and they expect people to remember it and they expect people to figure them out the leader but it doesn't work that way that's a constant failure rate and it's really running your car motor without enough oil it'll run for a while and then you're going to have major breakdown so to 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 disperse that takes time to not only put it in paper legislate it hand it out they got to hear your voice the spirit of your mind and pick up from the leader the enthusiasm, and also it breeds faith that we can do that. Then what uh, sort of a leader would your team say that you are? My team would tell you right off the get-go, I'm very decisive. I only change my mind if the people around me convince me that it's not working. I'm an extreme communicator, maybe overboard, but as I just said, I want everybody around me to know where we're going, how we're going to get there, and how it involves them, what it's going to cost them, what it's going to cost us, time, money, tools. And I've lived by what I call the five Ps, proper planning prevents poor performance. So I think my team would say, hey, this guy, he may be international and a global preacher and a leader of, of men, but he knows what he's doing. I breed that confidence, and he knows where we're going, and he's bringing us along with him. What, what? I think my team would also say that I keep my word, and when I make a wrong decision or I can't fulfill my word, I go back and repent to my team 
and say, I made a mistake. We're going to turn this ship the other way. Please forgive me. Stay with me and let's make this thing happen. And I think that's a fiber of life that you just can't break. What would you say, bottom line, doctor, is motivate you as a leader? I'm totally motivated by two things. I'm motivated by assignment. I probably learned that in the Marine Corps. But at all costs, Marines, we say Semper Fi, do or die. But we don't surrender. We don't quit. And we're going to get this done. I have the, uh, an even greater commitment and a deeper dedication to the work of Jesus Christ, which is my life, than I ever did in the Marines, though I was a severe Marine leader. And that's just me. I'm assignment-oriented. God tells us what to do. <clears throat> we do it. And I, I can't do it alone. No smart leader does anything by himself. And I think the other thing that you got to surround your people, you got to surround yourself, Van, with people that know things you don't know. And, and you can learn from them because no one man or woman is an expert on everything. A weak leader surrounds himself or herself with people that will just say, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, whatever you want, sir. And never look you in the eye and say, hey, let me help you. That's not going to work, sir, and here's why. The other thing that motivates me so strongly, I am a builder of men. I have been that way since the Marines in the 1970s. I was a Marine leader in Vietnam. Then I trained Marines, and I've been a, a leader in the kingdom of God, in the marketplace, in law enforcement, et cetera, et cetera. I want to see people around me succeed. I want to do my part. It's really a driving force, I believe, from God to develop people around me so that they can function without me and enjoy their ministry and their calling in life. What do you do when you are unsure about how to achieve the goals of, uh, of the team? My first thing is I look at me. Am I communicating properly? Am I saying this right? What am I saying anyways? Have I made this vision or this project, this assignment clear? And therefore, maybe there's some adjustment I have to make in me first. Secondly, I go to the team and say, tell me what we're doing. Tell me what you understand this assignment is. Talk to me. Look me in the eyes, man to man, woman to man. Tell me what you think we're doing. Because even though I think I've communicated it well, Man, you can even write it down for people. But how you say it in your mind isn't necessarily how they receive it in their mind. And that's a major to me. The other thing is we got to make sure that our people know that we love them and we care for them and not just the assignment. We also have to make sure that they have the tools that they need to accomplish the goal. Because if their tools are missing, they just don't have them. It's broken down. Some people, believe it or not, Van, they won't say anything. I teach my team, I need to know what you don't have that you need. What do you have you don't, what do you need? What don't you have? That's how I approach that. Well, do you feel that the competition among a, a team is helped? To a degree only. Because if, if, you, if you allow that to go oblong, it's like bowling with a football. You, if you get too much competition, 
then you lose team spirit because everybody begins to either individualize Mm -hmm. or each department becomes competitor with the next one. The idea of real teamwork is I don't care what your rank is. I don't care what your file is. We're going to pick up this big log today and all 20 of us are going to carry it to where it's got to go. So I don't care in your little pecking order, who's up front, who's in the back, but everybody's going to carry their load. But without any competition and no reward for achievement and no salute for well-doing, then you lose your teamwork either way. And maybe a leader's lieutenant or manager has to make sure that stays pretty equalized and clean across the board. What would you say are the most difficult decisions you make? The ones that affect people's personal lives, their families, the taxation. I would look you in the eyes, Van, and say some of the hardest things I've ever faced in my life is to have to relieve somebody of their duty, even if it's their fault, but especially if it's not. If we got to reorganize, it's tough. Business people face this constantly. I pastor a lot of people in the marketplace. And uh, it's just hard. People don't get it. They just say, you're the boss. What do you care? You're still getting paid. You ditched me. But real leaders, honest to God, care about those employees, the team. And it's very hard. I've spent myself nights awake. About the only thing that ever keeps me awake is when I got to deal with something I know is going to hurt somebody's livelihood or something like that. Well, I'd like to thank you today for really taking us behind the scenes of leadership. I I would just ask when you go into a church, as we wrap up here, what do you look for in terms of leadership? When I go into a church, the first thing I target is the pastor, because no matter if you're a denominational church or non-denominational, spirit-filled, word of faith, most pastors have great Bible knowledge. They have great learning capabilities, abilities. Most of them are good orators, narrators, but very few of them have ever been trained in any leadership classes. So they just do what they got to do. And they mix leadership with management and it stunts the growth. People around them want to help them. But when the pastor doesn't know how to let people help them, and they don't want to relinquish it, therefore, to delegation, then it causes a frustration. So I normally spend most of my time with that pastor. I'm a speaker, of course. So I cover the pulpit or I do staff meetings or leadership meetings. But I deal with him mostly in private, never in front of his people, her people. And I look for that. The second thing I pick up right away is you can walk into any business, any ministry, any corporate level thing, any ball team, and you can tell by the spirit, I'm going to say, not being spooky, but by the attitude in the room, if there's an honor for this coach, this leader, this pastor, and and that's a major. If If there's a disrespect, and especially if it's earned, that has to be fixed immediately or we're not going anywhere. We'd like to thank you today for your time and coming on board and giving us some leadership ideas that would certainly have proved successful for you over the years. Thank you, Van. I love you. You're a great friend. You're a great minister of the gospel, always have been. And thank God for all those who hear your voice still and on this podcast. And 
may they be encouraged today. And in Jesus' name, pray for you, help you, because teamwork is mutual. We put out, we bless them, we teach them. In turn, they pray for us, even help us financially. And may that happen for you in Jesus' name more than ever before. Dr. Mark Barkley, we want to thank you today for, for coming on board and giving us some ideas on leadership. Amen. You got it. We'll talk soon. Be blessed. This has been On the Line, Leadership with Van Crouch. I look forward to our next phone call and podcast as we discover tools we can apply to our lives that will help us overcome obstacles, aim for excellence, and become our very best. I'll see you on the next episode.